This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. All right, time for the two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. All right, let's start with the first one. Roquan Smith back at practice. First play, I think he was in full team action. He made a play behind the line of scrimmage. Dan, how has he looked at practice and what do you expect? Well, listen, you uh, remember very quickly what Roquan Smith's lateral speed looks like. You remember very quickly what Roquan Smith looks like when he's coming downhill and finding an opening and and meeting a ball carrier. I think Roquan Smith has looked really good in practice. One of the things we didn't talk about in the opening segment because our focus was purely on the offense is that Roquan Smith is going to be on the field Saturday night in Cleveland. His head coach said as much right earlier in the week that they want to ramp him up for the regular season by getting him some game action. And so that's going to be something where, you know, me being up there in the press box i can't just put my head down and write because it's late on deadline and the offense is off the field i gotta keep an eye on roquan and see how he's moving around see how he's adapting to this defense and seeing the the types of openings that this system allows him to have to make plays and so uh so far so good in terms of his effort in terms of his uh ability to again like we talked about earlier in the week push some of the the contractual discontent to the side and just go out and play football it's going to be interesting to see where he takes it in the next few weeks and i'm excited that that we're going to get a glimpse of it under the lights in Cleveland on Saturday night. I respect the fact that he's got to you know, play a new position and schematically line up and on the weak side. And there are a lot of different looks and some motion adjustments and checks and this and that. But I think it's still football and he's still playing linebacker and you still expect him to make three out of every four tackles that uh, the Bears are going to make uh, beginning as early as Saturday night. Offensively, I wanted to ask you, we heard Braxton Jones talk about <laughs> The scouting report against him is that he is susceptible to the bull rush. I'd say the biggest thing for me is uh, anchor on the bull rush a little bit more, um, be prepared for it. Um, I've kind of put it on film that, uh, you know, I, people can bull rush me. So just, you know, that's what people are going to do. Um, so just be more prepared for it and, uh, you know, throw my hands again. I'm, you know, in the last preseason game, I wasn't throwing my hands very well. And I'm just, I just got to use my hands more and more efficiently. And when he says something like he just said, I don't know if that's good awareness, if that's naivete, is that something you want to inform the rest of the league that you are feeling that is a weak spot? Does it matter? Because they're going to see what you just described. I, I thought I liked his honesty, Dan, but is that something you want to encourage or discourage if you are the Bears? Yeah, I'm okay with it because I, I, I have enough faith in the other coaching staffs around the NFL to be able to watch tape and identify weaknesses of a young player and try to exploit them. Uh, it's maybe not the best to, you know, 
say it with exclamation points and and maybe Braxton didn't get the, that far into it in saying that but I do think that this is a another sign of this kid's maturity and his maturity is the one thing that's earned him this prolonged look from this coaching staff and being willing to see those weaknesses being willing to put in the time and the effort and the care to address those and and so it's going to be an ongoing process right I think Braxton sees that and I, I followed up with him uh, the other day and, and and just asked him obviously coming from the FCS coming from Southern Utah coming from a smaller level of, of college football and now being asked to start at the premier position on the offensive line in the NFL, how patient is he with himself through all this? And he said he can be very hard on himself, right? And that that's something that young offensive linemen in this league have to deal with early in their regular season. I remember having conversations with Kyle Long in the locker room his first two years. Remember, you got to remember Kyle not only started uh, as a rookie, but then underwent some position changes as he went through the process his next couple years. And, and there were days where the – self-doubt creeps in right and the struggles create create a, a mental struggle that can be really really challenging and so it's going to be really uh, interesting i think to to measure braxton jones's is mental fortitude as much as we're measuring his his play on sundays and keeping his young quarterback clean i want to ask you this real quickly on the depth chart they list riley reef at right tackle michael schofield at right guard and I even think maybe Lucas Patrick is still listed as a center. There is a discrepancy between what is on the depth chart, which I think is probably easily dismissed, and what we have seen. Is it going to be Braxton Jones, left tackle, Cody Whitehair, Sam Mustafer because Lucas Patrick is out, and then Tevin Jenkins next to Larry Borum? Is that the way they're going to line up with the number one offense on Saturday? Yes. On Saturday, yes. Now, is that what they're going to line up like on September 11th? I'm not certain, right? And so it's going to be really interesting to monitor this. We've got, we're a week away, uh, less than a week away now from the roster being cut down to 53. And beyond that, a few days after that, we should have an opportunity to speak with Ryan Poles, the general manager, uh, to kind of get, obviously, his recap of the cuts, but also to to get his perspective on what's evolved in this training camp. And one of the things that's evolved in this training camp has been an offensive line that has changed three, four, five times due to injury and other circumstances throughout the month. And you kind of have to dial in with a former offensive lineman to figure out what he's seeing, what his philosophies are, what he wanted when he signed Riley Reef on the eve of preseason, what he's gotten out of this training camp, where he sees him. If Riley Reef enters the regular season as a swing tackle, that's going to be surprising to a yeah. lot of us that saw him signed on the even trading camp as a, as an almost certain starter, given the money they were paying him. And so um, again, you know, we've talked about this before that, that, that you have to be able to solidify an offensive line. You have to be willing to experiment a little bit, but the experimentation cannot come at the expense of, of the comfort level of your quarterback behind the, that offensive line. And so that's something that this regime as an, as an entire regime has to figure out together. Before the clock expires in the two-minute drill, I have to ask this for Mike Martz's purpose and his benefit. How did Justin Fields look in practice this week? Up and down, right? I, I, you know, it's 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 still a struggle offensively. And and listen, he doesn't have the receivers uh, that he's going to be playing with for for at full strength during the regular season. He's still working behind the line. He's still learning the system. I will say this, and and Colleen Kane and I wrote a piece on ChicagoTribune.com about Justin's month in training camp, and and I don't sense that the struggles are weighing on Justin the way that they maybe weighed on Mitch Trubisky in 2019. 
different expectations for those Bears teams, right? The 2019 Bears were expected to compete for a Super Bowl, and so that pressure got heavy really quickly. I think Justin's also built a little bit stronger in that regard to, to withstand some of that. But in terms of production on the field, I, I haven't loved what I've seen, and I, there's nothing that tells me that some sort of imminent major breakthrough is coming in the first month or two of the season. Mm. What did Mike Martz think of Mitch? I don't recall. We might have to dig into the archives, but no, let's studs, not. Studs can get one a homework assignment over the long weekend. No, and- I, I've mentioned Mike Martz much more than I expected to today for the entire year. Those are memories I would rather repress along with your 2005 injury to Rex Grossman. Thank you. Um, <laughs> all right. So Dan, that wraps it up. Well, so Saturday night in Cleveland, Browns, Bears, any last things we haven't talked about you think are worth paying attention to in the, in the preseason finale? Well, I'm going to tease a couple things for next week, right? You always okay. want to get our audience to come back next week. Number one, there's going to be a really good surprise. If all breaks the way I think it's going to break, there's going to be a really nice surprise next week on this podcast. Tune in for that. Number two, on Monday, when we come back to House Hall, I mentioned that practice will be closed to the media. But guess what opens, David? The locker room. I have not I have not been inside the locker room here at Hallis Hall since locker cleanout day following the 2019 season. That feels like it was 65 years ago at this point. I'm not even sure how many players that were in that locker room on the final day of the 2019 season are still around. It's like Eddie Jackson, Cody Whitehair, uh, David Montgomery would have been a rookie then. Right. And I'm not sure who else. Uh, DeAndre Houston Carson. Cairo Santos? No, he was not. He, he had been there previously, but he wasn't in there then. Right? Um, right? I mean, you, that was Eddie Pinero's year as the kicker. Oh, yeah. So, Eddie. How so, dare we forget so he, Eddie? He cleaned out his locker and hasn't been back. So that locker room, I don't even know where people sit anymore, right? So it's going to be a, a like a, this novel experience of walking in there and getting back to this world where we can now uh, sit down with a guy at his stall and have conversation and, and create some of that uh, relationship and rapport and, and knowledge building that that is going to be instrumental to what we do. But it's also also just fun to, to be back in the locker room and be able to establish those connections. It's going to be great to walk in and see everybody have their running shoes kind of stacked <laughs> against the wall. Get your track shoes on so you can run out of there. Yeah, when, when the media comes in and you can get out of there, right? 